Hello, this is a representative of Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet, Incorporated. You're listening to CJM FM 99.1 in Windsor, Detroit. Welcome, welcome. My name is Graham Hutchings. And I'm Brandon Fragameni. Thank you for joining us. If you're just tuning in for the first time, also it's the last time of the season for us anyway, uh, we'd like to welcome you all. Um, and we're just going to hit you with a quick recap of what our organization, Pro Bono Students Canada, is all about. Since uh, Windsor Law has a focus on social justice, Pro Bono fits in perfectly with its work to match law student volunteers with organizations to deliver legal services which are of great need but lack sufficient resources to retain legal counsel. And uh, all pro bono projects operate under the supervision of a lawyer, so you know they're legit. Pro bono not only provides law students with volunteer opportunities to, to develop legal skills, but also has a positive impact on the legal profession. Last time we discussed uh, pro bono across the globe in Graham and uh, my episode. Uh, so if you missed it, you can find it online at www.cgm.ca in the archives. And uh, before we get into discussing any legal topics, we just want to come right out and let you know that anything said on the show is exclusively our opinions and does not reflect CJAM as a radio station. What a lawyerly statement to make. I know, it's pretty official. Absolutely. Also, it really highlights how little we know. It feels like less and less every day. Yeah, my brain is currently imploding. I'm not sure when you're listening to this, but if you're listening to it live, that means that we are a week and a bit away from our first year exams, uh, final exams. Finals. With our, which are worth, I think, what, 172% of our final grade, I think? Pretty much, yeah. We basically have uh, 17 minutes to write each exam, and uh, I'm told that uh, any, any slight uh, mistake will knock ten thousand dollars off my future salary yeah yeah so so right now i'm at about uh, i owe money well i currently still do but oh, i will certainly. owe more money all right so what are we talking about today graham so we're going to talk about something that everybody's talking about that is the internet the internet so for those who are not online the internet is a series of tubes that allow people to send hate messages to each other, thus connecting the world in ways we never imagined. Through electrons moving at the speed of light, images with text imposed over top can be shared millions of times in a matter of hours. Yeah, I think those are called mem- memes? Uh, memes. Memes. Memes, I believe it is. Um, so, more specifically... Social, about the internet social media we were uh our guest has fallen through i'm not sure what she's fallen through but she's fallen through something and she can't join us today the the, the, the webbing of the net yeah it fell through the net um so you're stuck with us for an hour but uh <laughs> we were going to have her on to, to talk about the uh the national um kind of social media project through pro bono students canada and we can touch on that but uh, generally, we that got us thinking about uh, all the ways that the law and social media intersect, um, and that turned out to be be a real deep dive. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. There's a lot of that you need to consider when uh, with the intersectionality of the internet and law. 
Um, and so some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about are uh, the posts you make. You know, can you be held accountable for the posts you're making? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about user agreements, what it means to click that little box to say, I agree. And, uh, yeah, you're going to be talking a bit about, um, tell me. I'm going to be talking about fake news. I'm going to be talking about cyberbullying. Big data. Big data. The bigger, the better the bigger the bigger the data are it's true <laughs> the uh yeah we're gonna be all those all those buzzwords that your parents throw around uh you know that they that they see in headlines on i don't know what are they watching cbc the national whatever your parents watch cp24 doesn't matter um we're gonna be talking about it all we are uh what i want i think we'll start with is uh because i certainly want to know um if all those comments from my haters on on social media, you know, can I can I bring them to court? That's what I want to know. It's a good question, and obviously the American legal system is not uh, totally analogous to ours. Uh, you know, the um, you can sue anybody for just about anything in the states. However, they also have much stronger uh, freedom of speech laws and by stronger i mean you can say just about anything you want um no hate speech under the protection of the first amendment i think the first amendment even covers some hate speech um that's what i mean there's no there's no provisions for hate speech so you can say uh what a country you can run on hate speech yeah yeah if you're a politician so shouts out to our listeners across the river in detroit this one's for you Mm -hmm. um but i think just like libel in general um has kind of come to the forefront certainly in american politics and we pick up all their news uh with um the congressman from california devin nunez oh yeah you've been talking about him lately i've been talking about this guy because he's suing twitter for 250 million dollars for defamation uh because some people made some twitter accounts and said some not so nice things about him not that bad actually when you in in the in the realm within the 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 twitter realm the spectrum of libel and just internet the internet in general they were actually fairly benign comments um however you know, a lot, lot of legal experts, uh, Harvard Prof Emeritus uh, Alan Dershowitz said this has no legs, but uh, it got got us thinking about libel in general and well, the internet. It, it certainly is an interesting conversation of like who um, – is there like a representation from from Twitter, you know, or all these – there's actually a case in Canada. Um, let me just find it here. Yeah, so I found an interesting one. It's actually out of Canada. Um, it uh, was a union grievance uh, from the TTC. Uh, so the TTC has a Twitter account, which I'm sure you, sure you know. Uh, you can which receives avid, customers. I'm an avid follower. Yeah, they're uh, they're great. Uh, and uh, so you, they obviously receive customer service like complaints through that. Yeah, just for all our listeners, the TTC being the Toronto Transit Commission. All right, yeah, your resident uh, out of touch Toronto boys talking about city <laughs> stuff that no one cares about, uh, and uh, so the 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 Twitter would get you some some complimentary tweets, uh, but many uncomplimentary, uncomplimentary, incomplimentary, uncomplimentary, discomplimentary, discomplimentary uh, tweets. And a small but significant number of tweets included, vo- including vulgar, offensive, abusive, which isn't funny, this part, racist, homophobic, sexist, and threatening comments about TTC's unionized employees. Yikes. Yeah, pretty bad. But the union uh, brought uh, an action saying that this constituted workplace harassment and argued that the TTC's responses to the tweets were insufficient and inappropriate. And basically saying that they 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 had a duty to like protect the employees from harassment from members of community and they just didn't do it. Mm. Uh, so it just got that got me thinking. That was from uh, there's actually a, a kind of a deep deep dive here from this uh, McKeg Borlack. Uh, they're like an Ottawa uh, firm. Check them out, McKeg Borlack lit- stand up global litigation law firm. They had a pretty cool article about a lot of this stuff. Uh, but that got me thinking about uh, Devin Nunez's uh, case because it's like. What, where does, how linked are are the comments and and Twitter as an entity? Yeah, and and who is responsible? Um, you know, 
the idea that, um, say, someone like Devin Nunez is suing Twitter as a whole, right? The the, the entire kind of body or company, whereas these, this TTC union is going after the TTC, uh, who aren't in really any way directly responsible for any of the comments that, uh, you know, that that were being posted. No, um, but I guess, so like the, so that there's an arbitrator, so the arbitrator refused to order the TTC to stop using Twitter, but provided detailed directions and recommendations for the TTC's use of Twitter to protect its employees against harassment as a result of these tweets. So yeah, the decision did not lead to a, a finding of civil liability on the third party. Um, but it said, had the arbitrator not provided direction to the TTC to monitor its account, TTC and various third parties could have face exposure to a claim of defamation. So it's kind of it's it didn't completely close the door. Yeah, on it. I guess it's sometimes a matter of um, you know you're responsible more so for your inaction in the face of defamation rather than you know you know like. And I think they they had a duty. I think they had a duty per the collective bargaining agreement to um, like protect the union employees from harassment. So it's like you'd think, I'm I'm sure when that was drafted, it was drafted in the idea that you're protecting against harassment, maybe at the the, the drivers or at the tolls or any sort of employee face to face being like told those those comments, but yeah. not necessarily through Twitter or social yeah. media. So that's I think one of the big takeaways from a lot of what the reading I was doing is like a lot of the laws were developed without like prior to or even now, like with not fully understanding the implications of social media. Right, and they're and now they're kind of trying to do this translation of existing laws on the books into a new medium of the online world rather than drafting specific kind of online policies or laws, right? I think, and I think what's interesting, also it's interesting there for the users is that I think it leaves like this gap in terms of what your responsibilities are or what the, uh, if you're in law school, the in crim, the zone of risk would oh. be... Um, meaning basically like knowing when you might be entering into a situation where you, the law can't apply to you based on your actions. So it's it seems like it's the Wild West right now where I can go on Twitter, I can go on Instagram or whatever and just say all this crazy stuff, um, really hateful stuff. But can I? I don't know. You know, the law isn't yeah. – and, and I don't think users know either. It's very much um... – you know, a lot of kind of internet theorists talk about where we are now being the waning days of the Wild West of the internet, and it's likely that um, government regulation of the internet will increase the opportunity to um, kind of hide behind faceless avatars, for better or for worse, um, and that anonymity that's currently afforded to, like, most, if not all, internet users uh, will probably be diminished over time as uh yeah but at the same time i mean you got to remember that the internet moves so much faster than legislation you know <laughs> yeah yeah right you also right. something that sorry go ahead were you uh, oh no no uh something that i was thinking about too while you were speaking there is um you know we we talk a lot like the the charter obviously doesn't doesn't apply to private organizations the charter of rights and freedoms for for people um who, who are listening, who are, aren't knee-deep in uh, studying for constitutional law <laughs> right now. Um, but it does, it can apply to private organizations doing, not necessarily a public purpose, or but like doing something that the government, like a government service. Sure. Uh, so it's like where, what does, does Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, or, do they provide, not just a public service, because that's not enough, but but really doing something that the government so so like for phones for example right like phone companies they would be kind of liable to that for that stuff i think yeah. um they would get kind of caught in that a uh, telecommunic telecommunications do they do they start going into telecommunications so it's like where can they can our constitutional mechanisms start applying to these private companies i don't mm -hmm. know yeah it's it's tricky because we do i think we've come to think of a lot of social media um is almost a right, you know. Um, it's so ubiquitous um, to communicate through Facebook or uh, Twitter that, um, 
you forget that these are these are private entities. They can knock you off their server right tomorrow, and they don't have to explain themselves. These mm-hmm. are for-profit private companies. We as a society, hate that I said that, but I said it, um, have come to re- <laughs> have come to rely on these, on these on these tools. But uh, they owe us nothing in terms of being a public but service. I mean, ha- on the books, have I, they? Well, yeah, on the books, have I, they transcended that though in their yeah. in how they operate? Right. I would think. I I would imagine that they have. You know, um, when something like CBC is no longer hosting um, local election, municipal election coverage on TV, uh, instead they're. Uh, playing Murdoch mysteries, and they what they offer as an alternative is, oh well, you can go on Facebook Live, you know, I, um, and follow our election coverage there. At that point, we've reached a, a place where it's no longer really mm-hmm. an option, and t- you need to be on Facebook in order to engage with your own democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll get in, and we'll get into. <laughs> the the uh, purity of the democracy that Facebook yeah. allows um, in our fake news conversation a little later in the show. But, yeah, but I just think you know it's in, yeah. it's interesting to think that at at this point on the books, all these companies are still private companies. They have obligations yeah. to their shareholders and basically nobody else. But they have obviously you know grossly outgrown uh, that in in their actual function, and uh, you know. Sketchy times is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, and you brought up Facebook. Actually, you know, before I get into this, it might be it might be necessary to kind of get into what they're just like kind of define libel, slander, defamation because they are always used almost uh, interchangeably, which they might be able to. But I'm just gonna read uh, just some yeah, some yeah, please defi- do. definitions. Please, please do. Same from that McKay Borlack website uh, article. Um, so libel and slander known broadly as the tort of defamation, I'm not going to get into that because I haven't taken torts yet, uh, are untrue statements made by an individual that are harmful to someone else's reputation. So these statements must be shared to a third party and not just to the individual targeted by the statement. Herein lies the conversations we're having. Gotcha. A third party, many third parties. Yeah. Third, many third parties gets to be hundreds, hundreds of thousands of parties. Um, the statements can be about a person, business, organization, group, nation, or product that tends to hurt the person's or business's reputation. Libel refers to written statements, and slander refers to oral statements. That's your big difference. Gotcha. Now, cyber libel is a term used when someone has posted or emailed I don't know when this definition came in because it just sounds funny emailed a statement like um, tweeted a statement that is untrue and damaging relating to another individual on the internet including message boards bulletin boards blogs chat rooms personal websites social media social networking or other published sites uh, so in light of that I have a few cases uh, from Canada the first one's from Ontario where people made because uh, I'm I don't do this anymore uh, as oh. I've as I've matured, um, but you know, in your day, especially when when uh, when Facebook first started, I didn't really understand the implications of posting on Facebook. Not that I said anything bad, but I would rant about you know whatever. Oh, you blow sh- off, oh, you blow off some sh- steam. Oh, for sure, here and there. Uh, and so, and where does blowing off steam turn into defamation or cyber libel or whatever? And that's what we'll kind of see. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Especially so like twenty ten. So I mean nine years ago you know, it's the, still the, a different time. The rant, you know, the the classic oh I just I had to you know, there are plenty of people out there who just, you know, either through live tweeting or at the end of the day they want to sit down and write something a little more composed. But uh, you know, it is it is absolutely common practice to uh to, to just get on, to I mean, just get online and just just let people know what you're thinking. Now, on an aside here, I, I had a uh, I had a bad a, a bad experience with a um, with a service that delivered groceries for you. Just so, you know, I'm trying to save some time here, right? <laughs> yeah, grocery gateway. Or we won't. No, no, it wasn't. But I'm not going to name it. But because uh, I'm sure they do great work, just not in this one instance. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they had like an app where you would. Uh, 
where if they were replacing your groceries, you could go on and be like, no, I don't want that or whatever. Sure. Uh, it wasn't working. And so Ugh. they replaced a bunch of stuff that I wasn't going to eat. And then so I go to call. There's no phone number. Of course not. Go to see live chat. No live chat. Ugh. We'll get back to you in a couple hours, which they did, but a couple hours too late. Too late. Um, they ended up like d- actually dealing with it pretty well. I, call, I ended up getting on the line with somebody. But the thing is, is like when you're, especially for like services and stuff, when you're, when you don't have uh, anybody to talk to specifically, sometimes you just want to go on there and just be like, yo, I'm going to just blast somewhere on the internet because there's no single person I can actually talk to and be like, hey, can you help me? Yeah. Um, so leading to that, so we have, this is actually a wild case. So uh, in 2010, the 2010 decision, the Ontario Superior Court awarded damages to the plaintiff as a result of defamatory remarks made on Facebook. In Windsor, Essex, Catholic hey. District School Board versus Lentini, a disgruntled parent, uh, parent upset over changes to a school's hockey program. Uh-oh, hockey parents, look out. Yeah, I know. Uh, started a Facebook group to allow other parents and students to comment on the school principal's decision to affect the changes. In my opinion, I mean, it seems that that's still relatively democratic maybe you know you're just kind of you know you know you're you're organizing i'm okay with that you know you could look at it as analogous to like it's an online meeting almost yeah or like you know in protesting like it's it's i think it's a it's a healthy part of our our democracy but then so ultimately two such pages were created on facebook a number of inflammatory and defamatory comments were made by the defendant on both the pages the most egregious of which were postings where the defendant accused the principal of pedophilia and engaging in sexual relationships with other teachers whoa the postings also included several pictures of him, which had been digitally altered <laughs> oh! to depict him as Hitler-esque dictator and Uh-oh. racist. When you break up the Hitler Photoshop, that's you're not just blown off steam at no, that point. No, no. Uh, so, and yeah, so they were awarded damages. I mean, it was, it was uh, uh, so that you know, there's there are limits in in Ontario. There are limits for sure. Um, I have another one here too. Um, again, yeah, in this case, one of the defendants used Facebook to vent her frustrations concerning one of the plaintiffs, a former friend, following the deterioration of relations between the parties, including a disagreement over the repair of a defendant's vehicle, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Um, they, uh, they, and it's just like general, just sent messages privately through Facebook, like general defamatory things the court found that the messages were insulting injurious and defamatory and went well beyond the summary of an unsatisfactory situation <laughs> um of course the effect defendants was limited in scope since they only knew uh it was just kind of like within the friend group um but there were uh special damages awarded uh because there was uh implications on the person's like reputation and everything and i think they ran a business and stuff interesting so, yeah so it's just it's funny. There's a line. I think it goes back to the idea, though. Like we don't know what the line is, so it's mm-hmm. like you're you're wading into areas in which you're you're liable then for def- for your defamation. But it doesn't seem. I mean, ignorance of the law isn't uh, obviously a- isn't a defense, but the you know if you're wading into an area, these seem you know like common law um, decisions here. You know, maybe should we we should know. Yeah, and I think uh, just. just it's it's interesting that both of those were attacks on specific people, and I think that's generally found to be more kind of injurious than, uh, you know, going after a, a or kind of venting your frustrations with a large company because it it, it has a more kind of personal element to it. Um, I don't know about that, but it's just how it seems to me. So for all our listeners out there, do what my mom said. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Mind your profanity. <laughs> <laughs> that was a meme. That's a meme. So you, for you kids right out there. there, you'll know what that is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I kind of want to move into user agreements. I'd like. I'd, I've clicked. I agree many times. I'm sure all our listeners out there have as well. I started clicking. I agree before I could read. That's how I. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, that's How not young true. are you? That's not You're true. not that young. 28 years old. Um, I think I probably- They didn't even have the internet back yeah, then. I'm I, older than you, though, so I just burn myself. I think I probably first encountered user agreements with iTunes. Yeah, set, probably. Set, setting up my four gig 
iPod Mini. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and you're just like on boom, the, boom, boom, boom. On the purple, whatever. On the purple I'm 14. IMAC. There's yeah. no way that this is gonna apply to me ever. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I read a funny article. I, I, I'm. It's a couple of years old. It's four years old now, but it's. Uh, it's let me get the exact name here because it's pretty funny i'm sure people have read it uh it's about uh, a guy who read all his user agreements in a week (laughs) and he it's called i read all the small print on the internet and it made me want to die (laughs) (laughs) Um, was it the task itself that made him want to die or the content therein i think it's probably a bit of both uh so yeah, so security expert Miko Hippinen um, wrote, cool says, name. must be Finnish. Um, the biggest lie on the internet is I've read and agreed to the terms and conditions. Um, so this guy, he uh, set out to prove his point. So he set up, um, he has a company and he set up a free Wi-Fi hotspot in the heart of London's financial district. And within the terms and conditions was it was a Herod clause. So it was the recipient <laughs> agrees to assign their firstborn child to us in uh, for the duration of eternity. And six <laughs> people signed up. <laughs> so Yeah, I think that's probably I mean, you know, there's there's uh, that's probably one of the most uh, or one of the least read user agreements ever is if you're trying to get on free Wi-Fi. You know, I've been in like airports or coffee shops, like, you know, you're in a foreign country or something like you just just like it's not even in English. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need I don't live here. You need (laughs) that net, you know, to to access your email to get your plane ticket or whatever. 17 emails a day from the the service. Next thing you know, my firstborn son over to Miko, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever. wireless in, in the UK. Yeah, um, here's, here's hoping I have daughters. Yeah, hey, well, you know what? They will also, I think, be under that. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Um, So the end result, I collected 146,000 words of legalese, enough to fill three quarters of Moby Dick, just to explain what I can and can't do online, from just 33 terms of service documents. Wow. Um, each document only took me about 15 minutes to read or skim, and not me, but the person who wrote the article. Um, the worst day was the iPhone uh, iPhone agreement. It was 21,586 words. That's wild. Yeah, I know. What are they talking about in there? Oh, you know, but just I think I think it is Moby Dick, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. Steve Jobs' favorite book. Yeah, every. Every time they talk about Moby Dick, he just changes it to Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. All the words. And I mean, you know, a lot of the, the software agreements are, are really quite lengthy. But you also even just see this in terms of like permissions being requested. Um, anytime you download an, an app, it's going to ask for certain permissions. And, yeah, like uh, uh, a weather app. Can I access, access your, your, camera. your camera? Yeah. Sure. And, uh, you know, you it's to make sure you're wearing a coat if you go out <laughs> when it's raining and it gives you. Yeah. That's not the right attire for this weather. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these these things are legally binding. You are cons- you are consenting. That's not legal advice, by the way. No, that's not legal advice. That's just a fact. Um, in in clicking, I agree. You're consenting to whatever terms and conditions that have been laid out. Um and I under look. I understand. I'm. I don't read these things either, but uh, it's certainly cause for concern. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's. They talk about. Um, I read another article from the Guardian. That other. That other, the. They're both from the Guardian. The ones I was talking about. Um, the. So it's, it seems that design makes a difference. Um, so if it, if there's something that. Uh, like the design nudges them to just follow the habit of clicking to agree, that is more likely to get people to just agree. Because you're just like, yeah, yeah, boom, I've done this for 15 years now. I'm just going to mm-hmm. go agree, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. Um, so the article suggests that if to address that, there might be like design fixes. So um, maybe there's like a, a time, you know, maybe there's like a, a couple seconds before you can press okay. Maybe like the the actual like, um, 
like the pop-up says different things you know sure. so you even you even see it in the ones and i again this is kind of the bare minimum but you even see certain user agreements don't let you select i agree until at the very least you've scrolled to the bottom yeah yeah you know so it could be um there could be some design things i don't know i mean like who's gonna that seems like something that the government would want to do you know like that's a regulatory thing like i doubt companies yeah. unless it starts to be where they start to find that these contracts aren't enforceable that's when uh, companies are going to get get more involved with changes right but i don't know i uh, it wasn't in my research today but that would be an interesting conversation to see if like that stuff stops being um enforceable Remind me to, uh, I got some tea to spill on Facebook and the Canadian government. Oh, some tea to spill. That's what, spill you know, it. that seems to be the lexicon. I'm told that it evolved from, from RuPaul's Drag Race. And now everybody's, when it comes to gossip, they say spilling tea. Spilling tea. Yeah. Okay, I like that. We're going to uh, take a quick commercial break, uh, but stay with us. In the next half hour, we're going to be talking about more of the same we're getting and also some juicy stuff. stuff coming yeah, yeah you know absolutely this, yeah okay see you soon okay this is Moan Chan two fourth year nursing students hosting No Scrubs on CGM 99.1 join us every Tuesday at noon and Wednesday at 4.30 as we explore various health related topics and controversial issues in current events remember you can listen live online at www.cjam.ca while you're at it follow us on Facebook at CGM No Scrubs CJAM 99.1 FM is in danger of losing its primary source of funding. According to new rules laid out by the Ministry of Training, Colleges and Universities under the Government of Ontario, the student fee of $5 per full-time undergraduate student per semester will be considered non-essential and students will have the opportunity to opt out of this fee. If that happens, CJAM may lose over half its yearly funding, causing cutbacks to our staff and the services we provide. If listeners are interested in maintaining CGM services and staff, they are encouraged to head to cgm.ca, where they can find a petition that will be presented to the Legislative Assembly of Ontario. Unfortunately, at this level of government, only physical petitions are accepted. You can also find copies of the petition at the Green Bean Cafe, Dr. Disc, and of course at CGM FM in the lobby and the main door if you drop by after office hours. Thank you for your continued support of CGM FM, broadcasting on the FM dial since 1983. And we're back. What's up? What's up? If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Pro Bono Radio, brought to you by Brandon and Graham, two law students here at the University of Windsor. What's up? We are talking about the internet. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's using it. People are on it. People are on it. People are saying some nice things. Most people are saying some terrible things. Mean, mean, mean terrible mean things. things. Uh, so we, in the first half of our show, we're talking about uh, the idea of defamation, libel, uh, what, if you can say stuff online, will you be legally responsible if it crosses a line? Mm. Uh, we're going to be talking about fake news and politics and all that stuff. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to bring up a, a case, a recent case in the States, so... Um, is more like a local level politics. Phyllis Randall, chair of the Loudoun County Board of Supervisors, uh, took away one of her constituents' posting privileges on Facebook that she, on a pa Facebook page that she set up to discuss local issues. Um, this guy Brian Davison uh, was accused to uh, his offense was to uh, have accused the local school board of having conflicts of interest, um, and so she kicked him off. Uh, but she relented the next day. But he sued. Oof. Listen to this, though. Hit me. 
Trial court in Virginia declared the blocking of the constituent's account violated the First Amendment. Uh, so the trial court, uh, their ruling is consistent with a longstanding Supreme Court precedent holding that while government officials are under no obligation to create speech forums of any kind, once they do, viewpoint-based discrimination becomes unlawful. So the classic public forum is like a public park or a street corner, um, which you can imagine. Uh but there's a there's a case in 1985 that created many other forums. Um, and so this is a case of like when the legislation is starting to like evolve. It's it's legislation that was in place, but now they're interpreting it differently. And they said that uh, creating these Facebook pages was creating a forum for speech. So taking it away is against the First Amendment rights, which is really interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um there's a lot of talk even about politicians uh, blocking people on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, and like what and what that means for um, yeah for their their First Amendment rights. And again, that could be interpreted as you know, um, once the the politician need not create a Twitter account. I mean, you could argue that in 2019 it's it's a must, but you know, on the books technically don't need to. But once they do, to deny that um, medium to a constituent I don't know there's an excellent uh, for all you radio fans out there uh, excellent British radio host guy named James O'Brien on a station called LBC which stands for Leading Britain's Conversation really cool radio station they have a bunch of hosts that go three hours a day each anyway he's been blocked recently on Twitter by a couple uh, conservative politicians and uh He's seeing what he can do about that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that comes into the question of, like they're doing in, uh, you know, with with Trump blocking certain uh, papers uh, or journalists from coming into covering uh, speeches or, or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, where does, I think the jury's still out on that, too. So where does the internet version of that come into play? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a question of, you know, if they're asking fairly benign questions or even just pointing out factual errors or something, it's not, you know, it's not. It's certainly not defamation. Um, I would imagine it's more just, you know, inquiry. Again And again, you know, it comes back to the idea that if you don't know what the rules are, or there are none, people can just make the rules and people can just do whatever they want. And uh, so, yeah. I mean, and, and it's not to say that, you know, regulating or, or making really stringent rules is necessarily, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to trample on free speech at all. Uh, but, you know, the, some sort of, some sort of parameters set so people don't get, get caught up and in, in the legal realm, it, I think is, uh, would be helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, no one has been bristling up against the legal realities more than our old pal Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, who? Is he the founder of uh, MySpace? Yeah, yeah, Tom from MySpace. Oh, Tom Ch- from MySpace. Okay, his name. sorry, yeah. Went out, made a little thing called The Facebook, dropped the the, uh, somewhere acquired Instagram along the line. I forgot about that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, remember that, everyone. If you're like, I'm getting off Facebook because they're uh, – you know, they're just they're that whole big data thing. I don't feel good about it. They own Instagram, so and your face is all over that. Those those selfies, Presum- of presumably cool stuff. I won't uh, I won't bore you with the details of the Cambridge Analytica scandal. All you really need to know is that it was possible that Facebook was selling a whole whack of user information to third parties. For whatever purposes, it's Nef- the allegations, anyhow, right? nefarious or benign, it's yeah. And uh, as problematic or more problematic than that was the idea that they were misleading the public uh, and had this knowledge of uh, for up to two years and only ever uh, admitted it when pressed. That's never a good luck, you know. Yeah, <laughs> when you're. If you, if you, when you're like, all right, all right, if you finally yeah. caught, if you finally cop to something in the face of overwhelming evidence, um, but yeah, it was the the idea that these these apps uh, within Facebook could be uh, co- these embedded apps could be gathering all sorts of information that they weren't weren't supposed to be gathering, uh, and then you know could be misused for whatever purposes, um, you know. 
Mark Zuckerberg has gone before Congress. Uh, Facebook representatives have been brought uh, before a lot of parliaments, including our own. Um, And I think it's really interesting to note that in Canada, um, there's a lot of weird things happening with uh, Facebook uh, in that they do not, Facebook does not have any official lobbyists in Canada, any registered lobbyists. We do, however, have a lot of people appointed to the Canadian division of Facebook, and they've become awfully cozy with certain members of our parliament. Um, Kevin Chan. Kevin Chan is Facebook's man on the ground in Canada. This is from the Ottawa Citizen. He is uh, the head of public policy of Facebook Canada. Very cozy uh, with the Liberal Party. Had a has a you know relationship with people such as our finance minister Bill Morneau and others. Um, he's a former fe- member of the the Liberal Party and stuff like that. And he had uh, he had a couple closed door meetings with our with our old finance minister. Um, he says, Mr. Chan says he was there to show Bill Morneau how to use Facebook Live. Uh, now, why they would get the head of their public policy division to go and speak with uh, the finance minister in a closed door to explain a very rudimentary fundamental function of Facebook? Well, these questions haven't really been thoroughly answered. But that, I mean, to be fair, like when back in the day when you got your, you know, that iPhone you're talking about, or the i iPod or whatever, you couldn't get it set up, and so you you called uh, Steve Jobs, and he. Uh, yeah, you called. That's right. And he uh, would help you. Yeah, our that. old our old pal um, Charlie Angus of the ND of the NDP po- poised the question. He said, "When I have a light bulb that goes out, I don't call the head of General Electric to come fix it." And just like other guys, you know, other guys, um, Jeremy Broadhurst, um, Marlene Floyd, these are all long-term Liberal Party members who now sit in high-ranking positions at Facebook for Canada. And um, I'm not saying anything because nothing's been proven. I just wanted everybody to know that and be aware of that. And maybe next time uh, you bump into your local member of Parliament, <laughs> pose that question. Hey, hello. What's what's going on there? Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting when there's so many blind spots of the law what things happen, you know? Like it's not passing any sort of value judgment on anything that happens. It's just there's blind spots. I think you saw that in the when uh uh Mr. Mark uh, Zuckerberg there was in front of Congress. It's uh, even even the, what was the other guy um Oh, I can't remember where he was from off the top of my head, but they had said I think was it Samsung who was it? I can't remember. But anyways, they asked him a question. He's like, so you can – so this is tracking me right now. And he's like, with all due respect, that's an iPhone, and that's not who I'm Oh, no, it was, a, it was a representative from Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and a it was congressman like an, was asking about him like about an, about an iPhone, iPhone or whatever. Yeah. And so it's like li- technological literacy with politicians there, uh, at, least for the, at least for the ones that are in those – those hearings or whatever, um, or what would have forums seems relatively low. Yeah, <laughs> so definitely. Yeah. Creating it's, these blind spots. Especially for our neighbors in Detroit and uh, Americans in general who have a tendency to have much older politicians, mm-hmm. uh, you know, most, most, uh, not so much in Congress, but certainly in the Senate. Um, I'm not sure what the median age is, but it's gotta be in the seventies. And, uh, these are not necessarily the people we should be trusting, uh, with our tech laws. Interestingly, that leads me to another point. So if Facebook's not going to do enough or if Twitter is not going to do enough to kind of regulate this hate speech, what's going to happen is the government is going to step in and take a crack at it. They're going to try and, you know, pass new laws if they feel that the current laws don't sufficiently regulate this sort of stuff. They're going to, you know, take a shot at it. But it doesn't always work out uh, the way you'd like so i thought there's a really interesting article uh in the cbc about um an anti-cyberbullying law that was passed in nova scotia um and this was passed after the the death of uh of a young girl teenager really tragic suicide um basically as a result of pretty relentless cyberbullying 
And so the Nova Scotia legislature decided they were going to take some action, and uh, they authorized courts to grant protection orders, uh, which would limit what alleged cyberbullies can post online. And they, they're, they're, the crux of their argument was given how quickly messages can spread online, it's necessary to protect a complainant against potential retaliation by allowing the victims of cyberbullying to seek an order against their uh, so-called tormentor. And, you know, initially when you hear this, you think, oh, finally, right? That, that was my first reaction yeah, reading yeah. the story was like, it's about time. You know, we need to we need to do something about this. The courts didn't think that. This law was uh, was struck down and struck down immediately. They weren't given uh, a probationary period to tweak it. The law was struck down in its entirety. Like at the, tri- at the trial level or what, what level? Uh, the Supreme Court in Nova Scotia. Oh, Supreme Court in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what the courts, yeah, so the, it's a law's got to be pretty, you know, pretty anti-constitutional um, if you're not given a grace period to rewrite it and if the whole thing is struck down and not just certain provisions. Um, what the court said was um, this law was way too broad and far-reaching and it had the power to limit people expressing honestly held opinions online. And that's a big part of a lot of stuff um, is whether the the person who's posting like truly subjectively believes it. The court basically said that anything that hurts anybody's feelings if done online could constitute cyberbullying. Okay. Um, and they just said this was um, this was way, way, way too broad for anyone, you know, any perceived victim of cyberbullying could then seek uh, to have their uh, cyberbully uh, have their online conduct regulated and that in itself was just uh, the court felt was too big of a limit on free speech I mean I guess if you don't have proper parameters on what cyberbullying means right I mean like it I can see that argument but um, it still leaves a gap in the legislation oh there's undoubtedly still a large gap um you know the uh the court expressed that victims still have the usual avenues uh through civil law through a defamation suit or a criminal uh, available to them i think those are pretty um meek remedies especially because you know in order here we are, pro bono, focused yeah. a lot on access to justice and yeah. the idea that uh, your main kind of recourse, especially considering the threshold for criminal laws, often very high, uh, is to hire a lawyer. And it's it seems, you know, I mean, it happens at all ages, but a lot of that stuff happens for, for, for youth. Absolutely. You know, so if you're 15, you know, sometimes you don't... Just the nature of being a teenager, I, you know, I, re- I remember, you know, you're not necessarily want to tell your parents, you don't necessarily want to tell anyone. For sure. Um, and it's like, uh, so to, to tell, and like if you're, you know, if you're at school and you're, people find out that you got a lawyer or something, like, you know, you could get, re- actually, you get bullied in person yep. for stuff like that. Absolutely. And I think, I think, um, especially amongst the older generations, but even us at this point, um, you know, if someone said something mean about me online or, you know, not just mean, let's say cruel or defamatory or what have you, I'm fairly comfortable with just uh, removing that person or, you know, just ig- ignoring that. Um, but the social pressures on teenagers, I think, are enormous, um, especially when you're in kind of like a school environment. It's not enough for you to disconnect because if everybody else is still online, you're going to school the next day. You're going to be confronted with these realities, regardless of how much or how little engagement you actually have with the internet. You know. Well, you're. I mean, you're. And you're effectively. It's almost like uh, going off the grid before the internet. You know, like taking yourself out of society. If you're taking yourself completely off the internet, because you know you're getting bullied or whatever. It's like that's not an option for for most people, especially young people, to just go off the internet when it's like group projects are on there, like school stuffs on there, or you know, like all the things that you're into are online. And then every time you go online, you have to deal with some, you know, this stuff coming up. So totally. Yeah. It's, it's a different era where you can't go home and you know, shut it off. Yeah. I had, I just went without a cell phone for a couple of months and all my friends stopped calling, you know, (laughs) 
like they i mean calling my my home phone yeah and that they was, just figured you were dead yeah they just, just like, well, I, yeah you might as well I, I was, be if I was you don't de- have a cell phone i was dead to the world until i purchased an iphone so i remember you also didn't have internet for the first like three months of law school which is hilarious that's true i did go without internet for a while just to see if i could do it i can do it um but reading does get boring i think if you live alone and all you do is read books you do tire of that sometimes you want to go on youtube and yeah i think having a t- watch you vines. know i think going without the internet and without television was taking it a little far mm. i think if i'd had even basic cable uh it would have been Just much watch the news or yeah something. sports yeah um you know stuff um, like that so fake news we have a little bit of time here did you have any you have anything for me fake i got news? i got i got some stuff for you and i'm not is this news that you're gonna is this fake yeah i got fake news for you okay you know this is a this is incredibly uh was 20 fake news was you know the oxford dictionary's word of the year in 2016 which doesn't make sense because it's two words <laughs> phrase of the year would be far more apt um and i've never seen an expression rise to such prominence and me tire of it so quickly (laughs) faster than yolo you know quicker than swag fake news i hate it quicker than swag yeah uh, maybe that's not true actually i tired of swag once Justin Bieber started saying swag, it was over. But anyway, um, you know, there is there is a wild proliferation of fake news. Um, and I think it's more of a problem, honestly, and I'm not trying to be ageist, but for older generations, um, just because they are less fluent in the internet, you know, generally, they're not as good at kind of disseminating or like parsing information um, and take newsy looking articles a little more at face value um you know we're living in a you almost call it a post-truth era you know where truth is sounds like something out of like 1984 i know (laughs) but it's true it's you know obviously a lot of news sources have inherent bias you know they're all gonna have political leanings and there are credible news sources on both ends of the political spectrum and there are you know, not credible sources on both ends as well. Um, but there are some resources out there that will help you, some fairly nonpartisan uh, resources that can help you filter the news that you're getting. And if that sounds like a little too much work for you, God help you, because uh, <laughs> this is important. You can go to, f- for for our, our neighbors in Detroit, you can go to factcheck.org, okay? Simple as that, Fact check.org that monitors the accuracy of u.s political stories you can go to politifact p-o-l-i-t-i fact.com that verifies political news stories fairly globally you can also go to snopes.com s-n-o-p-e-s.com and that's a really good one for fact checking specifically internet rumors and stories oh interesting yeah and it'll give you kind of a spectrum it'll tell you if this if something is totally false, mostly false, mostly true, totally true. And uh, believe it or not, there is still, you know, there is still a truth out there. Uh, you know, certain, somewhere certain facts are objective. Um, but, you know, when you're spotting a fake news story, you got to consider the source. Uh, and beyond the source, you need to check the author. I think that's a huge one. You should be mm-hmm. wary of anything that's written without an author. Um, yeah, that's a big. That's, that's a big that's a, red flag. That's, unless you're reading The Economist, uh, if your article doesn't have an author, be wary. And if it does have an author, Google their name. Find out, you know, find out who they are. What's what? What else have they done? What are their I, credentials? I think a big thing too is to be wary of things that pop up on social media. Absolutely. Um, I have like a real anecdotal thing that sounds made up because I didn't take a screenshot of it, but it absolutely happened to me. Is that I was on line on Facebook and there's a sponsored news article um, and it purported to be a CBC news article and the the whatever it was framed in a way that my political leanings would be like oh okay yeah like I agree with that which is what worried me because yeah. I was like I was like oh that's a little too close to like what I what I think and so I clicked on it and it was like almost at first glance it looked exactly like CBC but there was something 
I can't even put my finger on it, but it looked a little off. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like check the actual CBC website. Not on there. Googled the name of the, uh, the, uh, like the journalist didn't exist. Took, uh, copied and pasted the, the, uh, the, the name of the article didn't exist. And, uh, I exited it and then went to try to find it again and it was gone. But that's straight up, straight up, straight up was a fake article. Straight up fake news. Um, and that's, I think that's a really good point, uh, and that's another thing you need to do when you're consuming your news, is check your own biases, you know? Uh, left wing or right wing or anywhere in the middle, whatever wing you want to be. Um, check your own inherent biases uh, because you will be far less critical and more amenable to fake news that confirms your biases. For instance, I saw a headline. I'm not a huge fan of our current political our current provincial government i saw a headline that said ford government makes uh parents of children with autism sign nda before entering meeting and it, my first reaction was how dare they you know what an outrage paused for a second and thought well i have no idea what the common practice is for me, for for <laughs> consultations with government officials, maybe everybody signs NDAs. You know, I don't, I don't know. But the way the headline was written, it seemed like it was, you know, alarmist. Alarm, yeah, it was totally alarmist. Which and may be fair, but it, it, it cer- doesn't. It certainly might be fair, but but to take another, to more, take another, yeah. to take a couple of minutes, find out if that's common practice or if this headline is just inflammatory. Uh, another thing more directed at your parents um is it a joke (laughs) yeah i like that one yeah there is a you know we've gone beyond just the onion there are a lot of there's a lot of really good satire and that is the beaverton yeah the beaverton the batuta advocate is an australian one um and that's the sign of good satire is if it fools people um or if you know it's close enough to reality to almost be believable but at the same time, um, there's an inherent danger when you get people really latching on to what is, you know, an absurd idea. Um, so, so watch, <laughs> yeah. watch out for it. Watch out for that uh, satirical news news sources. But yeah, you know, check supporting sources. Read beyond. Dig a little deeper into the issue. And I think that the Facebook news feed is is uh, a huge problem for that because we're presented with headlines and people don't even click on the article. They just read the headline, take the information at face value, and move forward adding that to kind of their social filter. Even the headline is like sometimes a, it's just a poor um, like really quick summary of what the article says that isn't even – like I sometimes I, I see a, like, like a statement for, for – you know what the little tagline is and then i go into the article and like that isn't even in there yeah I'm like that does that's not what the article was about the other interesting thing is that uh in the online world headlines evolve and there are really yeah, yeah. you know it's if a game you, of telephone or whatever. yeah if you if you track you can track um or people will do this for you uh and the same article over a 24 or a 48 hour period the, the, the semantics and the wording of the headline will change, uh, sometimes in a response to criticism, sometimes in a response to just, you know, it's it has an initial more gotcha style headline, yeah. and then, you know, it, it moderates itself a little bit once yeah. it, it's a little lower in the news cycle. So just in terms of, you know, back to, since we're finishing off with the, uh, the, the, the pro bono access to justice, you know, be... Be cognizant of what your rights are, your responsibilities, um, and what you read. And uh, that is, I think, one of the most—be critical. I think that's one of the most helpful things. Yeah, for sure. Be critical. Um, so remember that you can listen to CJAM 99.1 anytime, anywhere, any way by going to www.cjam.ca. Tune in next week on the same bad time, same bad channel. That is Pro Bono Radio, Fridays from 12 to 1. This is not fake news. The rumors are true. This concludes the season of Pro Bono Radio. There may be some other uh, episodes coming on the Friday, so keep listening. But this has been great. I've had a long, t- I've had a fun time with you, Graham. I've had a great time as well, and I hope our listeners have as well. Um, yeah, so this does conclude our stint for now, anyway. Feel free to revisit past episodes online should you want to 
get nostalgic. And uh, yeah, and you know, if you really want us back next year, social media campaigns are big. Uh, and you know, that's right, change.org. Change.org, <laughs> Graham and Brandon for pro bono next year, pro bono radio next year. Pro bono pre- presidents. Yep. Thanks <laughs> okay, very much, thanks. folks. Bye. Out.